Hello and welcome everyone. Welcome back to an all new episode of the Totally Radical Cartoon Podcast. We're the show that takes a deep dive into the world of 80s cartoons and every week we bring you a different episode of a different 80s series. My name is Randy. I am your host on this journey and of course I am not alone. I am joined as always by my good friend and my co-host Phil. Phil how you doing buddy? I am not bad, my friend. It's another beautiful day. We're doing our podcast. Let's go. All right. And, of course, before we get into the podcast today, uh, i got to let you know a few things here. Of course, uh, Totally Radical Cartoon Podcast is a production of Geek World Order. Go to geekworldorder.com and keep up on all the latest and greatest in geeky media and content coming your way. Now you can find us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash GeekWorldOrder. And of course, you can look up Totally Radical Cartoon Podcast on its own Facebook page. Drop a like on both of those pages for us. And of course, you can also go to Facebook, or I'm sorry, Instagram and Twitter, both at GeekWorldOrder. And today, folks, we are a family. I fight for them, they fight for me. As close as we can be, high in the mountain or deep in the sea. Bionic. Bionic 6, ooh, woo-hoo. <laughs> That's right, folks. We are taking a look at an episode of the Bionic 6, man. And, dude, this is a little bit of an obscure show, but this was actually one of my favorites as a kid, man. I very vividly remember watching this show. Yeah, same, dude. Like, I forgot how great it actually was. I'm, like, sitting there watching it. I'm like, dude, this is good. And for those who don't know, the Bionic 6 are basically a family. There is a mother and father, and there are two, and there are two biological children, and they have two adopted children, uh, a Chinese and an African American son. Yeah. So they are a big old blended family, and they all have bionic abilities. Dude, by the way, I did not know that Luke Cage was moonlighting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm watching it. I'm like, dude, that looks like Power Man, bruh. And, dude, the theme song to this show is, like, super catchy. Yeah, it really is. Like, it's got that good 80s, like, power rock behind it. Oh, dude, man. All right, so we are looking at an episode today called The Perceptor File. And we start out with, like, this ninja, like, looking dude. And he looks like, this dude looks like he could be, like, a member of Cobra. He, right? I was thinking that. I'm like, this guy has some Cobra-ish vibes. Perceptor, a.k.a. freaking Ninja Gaiden. This guy was insane. Dude, like, he's making ninja moves. He's blowing shit up. See how fast he ran? Dude! Well, he's flipping all over the place. This dude is, is a freaking machine. Dude, and like, right after he blows up this thing, he just quips this line of like, Humanity will prevail, so says the Perceptor. Seriously? And he's like got that classic 80s scowl. Man, and I thought I had this pegged for some reason. Like, honestly, before I IMDB this, I was like, is this like Scott McNeil? Which, no, it wasn't. It was actually Neil Ross providing this voice. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> That's and funny. 
because when we find out later in the show who this guy is, you'll hear it more in the the voice of who the guy actually is, because the because the shipwreck voice comes out a later. Ah, uh, like, that's what it. Yeah, that. Okay, uh, so that that's a that's why it was bugging me. I'm like, mm-hmm. dude. Yeah, no. Yeah, when we find out who this guy is, ah, uh, it's Neil Ross using his shipwreck voice, or very close <laughs> to it. I was like, yeah. All right. Ah. Uh, so yeah, we go to the headquarters of the Bionic Six, and Professor Sharp is showing uh, the father figure, uh, Bionic One, a new jet he's created. It's pretty badass. Yeah, apparently this jet has like super stealth abilities. It's got infrared capability. So Bionic One's like, all right, I'm gonna go get in there and give it a test run. Jack Bennett, that's the guy's name, who is codenamed Bionic One. Ah, yeah. He had the classic um, leader of the pack voice. They mm-hmm. always sound like this, and they, <laughs> they talk the same. Right. But as soon as he gets in, he sees the, the blinking timer. He's like, oh no, sabotage! <laughs> and the yeah, jet and, is blown up. And dude, like, that was straight up like if he would have moved a second slower they'd both be dead dude right yeah that's definitely where the bionic abilities come in oh yeah uh so yeah the it's blown up and they're like who could have done this well we quickly realize it's the perceptor because he literally wrote his catchphrase on the on the jet to be Found in the shrapnel. Pretty much. Which, yeah, yeah that's, that's a hell of a calling card. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Bionic 1 goes down into the, the lair where the kids are all working on stuff. And like, dude, dad, what happened? So, yeah, apparently this Perceptor guy <laughs> is waging a one-man war on technology. Dude, I love I love the one-liners in '80s cartoons. He walks in, he's like, "Anyone got a band-aid?" <laughs> <laughs> it's just a flesh wound. It's <laughs> but a flesh wound. Oh man! So yeah, they go into the uh, computer to see what they can find out about this perceptor, and they really can't find a lot. Oh, but good old professor. Yeah, because apparently the files on this guy are restricted. Yep. And yeah, Professor Sharp just comes like, what are you doing? Stay away. Say, get the fuck away from my computer. Like, he just straight up catches an attitude. And they're kind of like, um, dude, what? It's like, uh, Professor, are you okay? So yeah, they go into, I guess, some, like, the living room or a some area of the house and the entire family from top to bottom is just suspicious af yeah they're looking at him he's like ah i I can't tell you anything i wish i could but i can't sorry yeah so they're like well the professor can't tell us anything we're gonna figure this out ourselves 
So they basically figure out this guy is kind of waging this war against emerging and new technology. So they create a trap for him. So they create this fake company called Technicon. <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> Dude, the ad they make for this for this like fake company is amazing. It was great, dude. They like, had like a bionic Donkey Kong. Like the black dude had like an Australian accent. Yeah, the the Chinese kid like had this horrible fake mustache. <laughs> it was fantastic. Yes, and I forgot about that because like he was only in the commercial. But yeah, they've got like a robotic gorilla on their team. It's like that was funny. Yeah. Which, <laughs> that was so great. So this is actually a great plan. It really is. You can tell they had fun making the freaking the fake commercial too. It's just the way they did it. It was just freaking funny. Right, dude. Like they actually like spent quality family time doing this. <laughs> like we literally got like this great example of. A, f- a loving family just having like bonding time yeah basically and they're like oh this is great yeah we cut to that night and like right on cue we see the perceptor sneak into the building and it takes <laughs> him all of like four seconds to realize this is like completely fake right so do like which is which is a little funny because he kind of already infiltrated the place when he put the bomb in the jet. Yeah. Like I'm sure he had an idea. But it was probably a very tempting target to go, hmm. You know, maybe I should still check it out. Right. And dude, like they like try to chase him around and like they actually trap him in like these energy bar things. Yeah, they had a pretty good plan, like they had him. And then he's got, like, some gadget on him that literally, like, he just shoves in there and just disrupts the beams. That's what I was a little confused at. Did he disrupt the beams or did the professor? Right? Because then the professor was hiding around the corner. Oh, no, no, no. The professor put them put them in the cage. That's what it was. Yeah. It's like the, the beams got disrupted. The family runs through and then, like, oh, now they're caught in the beams. Yeah, and then we like we kind of cut around to the corner, and yeah, we see Professor Sharp in the hallway, and he's definitely holding like a remote control of sorts. Oh yeah, dude, this jumpy, slippery bastard, though. Right. So this is like some weird shit, man. You're like, so is the professor under mind control? Has he got like some secret alliance that like, the family doesn't know about? Yeah, Professor is tripping. Like, I'm just impressed at, like, how agile the, um, at the Perceptor was. Because even the Asian kid was like, holy shit, those are some nice moves. Right? Because they could not catch him for shit. No, and, like, the entire family is bionically enhanced. And this dude's just flipping around everywhere. Like, he, no one can touch him. No. Like, straight up, they have nothing for him. 
like he pretty much was like he had these Naruto esque moves to where he would run mm-hmm. fast as hell. Like he would he would do like these tumble flips in the air, like catch like five second airtime. And he dude, was out of there. Dude, he was straight up like highly skilled assassin level. I was like, is he bionically enhanced too? We shall see. Yeah, so we move up to a later scene probably the next day and uh the professor is communicating with someone who and then <laughs> like the the mother and father come up behind him and he's just like oh 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 uh, how long have you been there what did Why you see what how much have you heard like he 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 went off dude he was a freaking scrooge and you could obviously tell who was on the other line yeah yeah it was definitely the preceptor and you're like hmm you know, they're definitely still suspicious. Oh, yeah. They're like, hmm. Th- this has definitely got to be something from the professor's past coming back to to get to him. Basically. It's like, you may- does he have some kind of hold over the professor? Like, they were pretty much... They were pretty much right on the money. Yeah. So, yeah, we go to... Um, presumably that night, Professor Sharp is heading down to an abandoned-ish building. Like, he's straight up got, like, a trench coat on and a hat. Like, he is trying not to be seen. <laughs> Professor is shady as fuck, dude. Like, he is definitely dressed like a drug deal's about to go down. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, he he goes in, and he he gets caught in a net, a net trap. Like, it was such a basic net trap too. It was funny. He's like, Peter, what have you what have you done? <laughs> and the preceptor's like, Don't fucking use my slave name. <laughs> right? That person you know is dead. I am the preceptor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we learn a little b- and we Peter learn a little my bit. Slave name. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically the attitude he had about it, though. Oh, God. That was great. But, dude, that's basically how he felt about it. Uh, so we learn a little bit of his motivation. Basically, he feels that technology is making a mockery out of humanity. Oh, yeah. And So he's got, like, this super boner grudge for freaking technology in general yeah and he seems to blame a lot of it on professor sharp and he even brags about how he was destroying you know this murder plane that sharp had created and sharp's like (laughs) burger plane (laughs) no dude the plane was meant to help and rescue people it's like what the hell's wrong with you but we quickly learned that professor sharp was bugged because here come the Bionic Six. Yep. He's like, you broke your promise. He's like, no, no, I didn't do this. You know, like even Bionic One's like, um, nope, actually that was us. We put a tracker on him. He's like, yeah, don't blame him. It's totally us. So yeah. So apparently this dude like straight up planted bombs and they're all connected to the net trap. Yeah, dude is clever. He's like, if you touch any of them, 
they will all explode at the same time. Like, they tried to cut the professor down from that net. Everyone dies. Yeah, pretty much. Like, they... this guy, this guy seriously read the Terrorism for Dummies book. Because he had, like, not for nothing, like, th those are some pretty good plans. Like, I don't know, man, I don't think this was the For Dummies series. This was definitely a little more of an, of an advanced read. That's, that's a definite. Dude, that was damn. insane, though. Like, just, like, interconnecting six different bombs into the Professor... That's insane. And then on top of that... He sets a timer for like 60 seconds, and he's like, I'm out. Yep, sorry, I can't stick around for the... What did he say? <laughs> One of those one-liners again. Yeah. So For the big out. blowout or something like that. Yeah. So the family, they split up and try to find the bombs. Uh, so the first one to find the bomb is Mother One. And so apparently she, her power is like, um, like telepathy, psychic powers. Uh, she can create holograms. Yeah, she's pretty dope. So she basically used like the, the ESP to help find like what button will actually deactivate that bomb. And this is when you find out how clever this dude really is. Yeah. Yeah, because all of the bombs are different, so they have different mechanisms. So it's not the same button that takes off every bomb. Nope. So she's, like, pretty much, like, scanning the entire building with her psychic powers. And she's just, like, straight up, like, all right, you? Okay, your bomb is connected to this button. Your bomb is connected to that button. This bomb is over here. So she's, like... Dude, you remember in Avengers when um uh in the fur in that end fight scene where someone maybe it was Hawkeye is just like calling out all the shots? Um I think was that the, was that the first Avengers? Yeah. Oh yeah, when he's just basically just like bing 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 and he like shoots one like not even looking. Yeah, and he's like, all right, Tony, you got one over here. Cap, you got one over here. Widow, you got one over there. Hulk, you got one behind you. <laughs> I think it was Hawkeye barking out the commands. I think so. But yeah, basically, like, that whole kind of scene right there. Where Mother Dude, Wong's just to... like... Yeah, she had to think fast, too, because everybody would have been blown to shit. Yeah. And at that point, we learned that the last bomb is literally strapped to Professor Sharp's belt. <laughs> Dude, dun, dun, this dun. guy is insane. Dude, like, this has probably one of been, like, one of the most successful plans I've seen out of an 80s cartoon. Seriously. Movie. Like, it was well orchestrated. Like, this dude knew what he was doing. Dude, seriously, man. And, of course... Now that we learn that the last bomb is connected directly to Professor Sharp, our antag our protagonists are now in danger. And you know what oh, that yeah. means. <laughs> it is commercial time, my friends. And we'll dun, go dun, ahead dun. and head, we'll go ahead and take our commercial break of the episode here and uh, we'll be back in just a moment. <laughs> <laughs> 
See you in a bit. Metal. Diecast. Invincible. Introducing the Bionic 6 family, each implanted with bionic parts. Giving them superhuman powers. Will the evil Dr. Scarab destroy the Bionic 6? Bionic 6, each sold separately. It's a grand toy. All right, and we are back. And as we come back from the commercial here, Bionic 1 grabs the belt with the bomb on it, and he just straight up runs outside with it. Dude's brave. He's like, all right, we got to get this out of here and just chuck it. Yeah, so he uses his bionic abilities and just chucks the thing out. And yeah, it blows up. Oh, dude, on top of that, I think that last bomb had no buttons to deactivate it. Right. So that was pretty much a fail safe. He's like, well, this one has no buttons, so you can't deactivate it. And it's yeah. strapped to the professor's freaking belt. I mean, maybe maybe all six bombs should have had that same. Yeah. It's like, why do these 80s villains leave, like, so many opportunities to, I don't know, have their plans be undone? <laughs> it is so funny because the professor's main drive is, like, he hasn't killed anyone. It's like, well, of course he hasn't. We had, we had, we prevented that. It's like, yeah, we would have all died. Uh-oh, where'd you go? Oh, there we go. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's like, bruh, you owe us an explanation at this point. Yeah. And he's just like, no, no, not yet, not yet. He, he made a promise not to say what was going on because, yeah. He hasn't killed anyone yet. Yeah. It was like, uh, of course he hasn't. We prevented that from happening. Because everybody would have died. Mm -hmm. Including you, Professor, you dumb son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we go to another scene where they're in like this van. I vaguely remember this van. Sort of like their mobile family mission van. Oh and yeah. Apparently they've got they maybe they somehow slipped the like the some kind of a homing beacon onto this guy. But they they somehow track him. They're like, "All right, the blip hasn't moved in a while, so he's probably here." So they're like, "All right, let's just head on into what is presumably his hideout." It's like, "Hmm." Maybe it's a trap. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's pretty much a trap. So yeah, they make their way in and they basically find the tracker on the floor. Because apparently that's an 80s trope we get to encounter now. Tracking devices just get lost very easily. Oh yeah, it's like, oh, there it is. It must have fallen off. Or he found it. Yeah, I'm sure he found it. He's like, the fuck is this? But yeah, they find, um, so Sport 1, who is one of the the biological children of the family, who has magnetic powers for his abilities, is like, um, so 
why is there this model of like this medical research lab which is a very valid question mm-hmm they're like yeah it's probably his next target and they're like why build a whole 3d model why not just a blueprint right i mean he's probably probably i don't know probably using it for like scale yeah which would be like one of the more obvious things i don't know but what we find out soon really makes me wonder i mean it kind of explains it but it kind of doesn't so yeah then um mother one she finds a photo and it's uh, Professor Sharp and another person. They're like, yeah. <laughs> Professor, Professor Sharp. He just snatches the shit. Give me that. Yeah. And they're pretty much assuming it's like, you know, an old partner of his, someone from his past. And they're See, thinking this might be the this. preceptor. <laughs> I think they were fucking. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. I mean, that's it's the '80s. That 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 was pretty taboo back then. Yeah, they did it in secret. So yeah, they decide to go to this research lab, and then by the time they get there, it's already on fire. Yep. They're like, "Well, we got here a little too late." And here comes. Here he comes running out of the building like, ha, ha, ha. So, yeah, they begin to fight him. And they actually gain an upper hand on him. Uh, because Rock One, who is the daughter of the team here, um, she basically has, like, rock star ability. She's got super speed. And she can generate sonic blasts. Which is what she does here. And it ends up disorienting him. Oh, yeah. Then all that super flippy ninja ability went right out the window. Yep. And they're like, wait, how did we take him down so easily? You know, seeing that they basically disoriented him and pro Professor comes up and he's like, well, there's a reason for that. It's because he's blind. <laughs> Big reveal. Dude is basically Daredevil. Yeah. This is Daredevil as a villain. So, yeah, and so we learn that uh, the Perceptor is a man by the name of Dr. Peter Wilcox. That is my slave name. And we learn that uh, basically after they'd left the the center to do the van heist, uh, two of the children, um, IQ, um, who is the African-American adopted son of the family, who has, he actually has a natural intelligence and his bionic ability is super strength. And he's basically their <laughs> tech guy hacker. Luke Cage. So he's like, so basically he stays behind and he's like, yeah, I'm going to hack the computer. So, yeah, he finally gets into Dr. or Professor Sharp's files and basically learns everything. Oh, Yeah. So yeah, so we finally get the uh, kind of the big reveal in the backstory, and that uh, you know Doctor Wilcox was an associate of Professor Sharp, and they were working on their on the early bionic research that would eventually you know be 
what would make help create the bionic six in the first place. And he is one impatient bastard. Yes. That's basically what happened to Peter. He was very reckless, very ambitious, and apparently um, basically kind of shrugged off a lot of the safety checks and inspections. And basically go through this whole scene where Sharp is like, well, no, we, you know, we have to test this. We've got to run more tests, more tests. We haven't run enough tests yet. You know, we don't know if this process is safe. And so Mm -hmm. he ends up (laughs) basically putting himself in this machine and running basically one of the first bionic tests. And it basically, and it blinds him because he messed it up. And he blames the professor. Yeah. For his stupid recklessness. Screw up. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like a lot of people I know. Right. (laughs) It really does. Folks, this is how you, you want a safety meeting? This is how you get a safety meeting, folks. Yep. This is why stuff like curling irons say not for internal use. Right. Come with me and you'll be in a world of OSHA violations. (laughs) Oh, man. But yeah, no, this is basically one of the biggest OSHA violations of all time. Oh, yeah. Sam, uh, one of the research lab workers comes out and he's like, there's some kids trapped in the building. And that actually sets the preceptor off. He's like, no. Yeah, but, and they're like, well, no, you can't go in. There's a bacteria floating around there that if you come in contact with it, you'll probably go blind. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Harry's like, well, what do we do? And then the preceptor starts running off. And like, oh, hey, look, he's going to run. Wait, it, no, he's going into the building oh he's gonna save the children because who cares if he comes in contact with the bacteria he's already blind i'm already blind it's all good which he has got to have some super super hearing to hear over basically all the chaos in that building the flames Uh things falling apart well i mean that's kind of something you hear about in real life is when someone loses one of their senses uh, a lot of times their other senses will kind of become more dominant to make up for it. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, it's sort of the whole premise of the of Daredevil as a hero. Yeah, that plus the chemicals. Yeah, and, you know, <laughs> ninja training. But still, it's an exaggerated version. That, so yeah, he finds the kids. And they're like, are you a superhero? And he actually gets like, like he pauses. He's like, wait, wait, what? Yeah. He's like taken back by it. It was kind of, it was kind of, it was kind of sweet. Oh, dude. And he throws out one of those one liners. He's like, all right, kids, we're going to play a game of a blind man's bluff. (laughs) Yeah. So like, um, and he's sort of like, okay, um, Ah, oh, crap. How do, how do I get out of here? He's like, all right. Wall, it's like walls are falling in. Um, paths are blocked off due to fire. Ah, let's just have the van crash through the wall. Yeah, big old bionic soccer mom van. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, yo, yo, uh, uh, all right, we got you. C- come on. 
Let's get out of here. <laughs> but, like, dude legit has, like, a change of heart. Pretty quickly, too. Like, he kind of realizes that, you know, it wasn't Professor Sharp's fault, and he's kind of been going about this whole vendetta thing the wrong way. Right. He apologizes and everything. He's like, yeah, yeah. I was kind of a dick. Yeah, he's like, all right, I, I'm sorry. I want to make a change, and I will do that. And he just jumps straight out of the van. He's like, all right, bye. <laughs> and runs off into the night to be a vigilante. Pretty much. And they're like, yeah, we probably haven't seen the last of him. But Same, if we but... do run into him again, we're probably going to like what we see at that point. <laughs> yeah. Which is actually kind of cool. So with the kind of character he is, he's going to do some pretty amazing shit. Dude. I was blown away by this episode. It was really good. So remember last week when we talked about that episode of Mask? Yeah. And we're like just a couple of small things and just a couple of like interconnecting plot points would have changed the episode and made it really good. <laughs> yeah, this, I remember that. Like this episode of Bionic Six had a lot of those like intangibles. Yeah, it was a pretty good formula. Right. There was actual like development through the whole episode. The story arc made sense. There was some good twists and turns. This was really good. Yeah, it was very well orchestrated. Just like the freaking Perceptor's bombs. <laughs> I'm like... Like... I wasn't expecting a lot from this episode. Because, like... I remember watching this series as a kid. But I don't remember, like, specific episodes. Yeah, that's true. Like, I don't remember a, a lot of it at all, but right? this one episode, like, if the rest are good like this, then it's definitely worth a watch. Like, the animation is very fluid in this series, too. Yeah, that it is. Like, quality animation, surprisingly good story, at least for this episode. Like, yeah, and the I, action scenes are pretty sweet. I know. And I think I kind of remember a lot of this coming back to me now, but, like, you know, the action was usually pretty good in this show. But, like, dude. And, like, everything made sense. Like, even the fighting style of the family. Like, they tried to play off of each other's abilities. Yeah, that's true. And that's another thing, like... Like, normally you'll see a lot of conflict in a lot of your, like, superhero groups, but... This one, not so much, besides the professor trying to keep a secret, but... Right. Like, the team worked <laughs> exceptionally well together. They really do. Like, they actually kind of really hit home on the whole family dynamic. Yeah, that they definitely did. And I know, I mean, TV nowadays, really, you don't see a lot of focus on the family and families getting along. Like, today's media is more of, like, families are, like, more bickering. They don't like each other. 
there's like conflict built in for like comedic relief it's like no this show is just a family they're like a big old blended family you know with the adopted children and like they legit care about each other they love each other they want to see each other succeed yeah this is true you don't see that in a lot of television yeah it's very wholesome no like kind of the aspect that reminds me of is the adams family ah uh, really, yes because <laughs> that's a good that's a good uh adams family was meant to be this parody of like american television like they're this super kooky weirdo family but the mom and dad like gomez and morticia are just madly in love with each other they're so behind their children in all whatever endeavors they take like they are literally the perfect ideal of a family oh yeah they supported everything their kids did but they're meant to be like this parody of like everything you don't see in american television it's just absolutely mind-boggling <laughs> yeah so this is definitely one of like the the really good ones like this one yeah dude, like this like, is did I, I would honestly say this is one of one of my other favorites now yeah, like this, this episode like coming back to it like i really think this might be a top five series for me i think at least when i was a kid it was oh yeah it was like, I mean, for me, G.I. Joe and Transformers will always be number one and two for me. Oh, hell yeah, dude. Oh, but dude, <laughs> this show, man, like, if we keep finding good episodes of this show, I think this one's going to come back to a high place in my rankings. Yeah, it kind of, it makes me want to watch the other ones and see if they're as good as, good as this episode. Oh, dude, man, like, like I said, dude, this sh- this episode, man had such good writing a great character like we learned this guy's kind of tragic backstory like it's kind of tragic but also you're like well you kind of did it to yourself yep but he had the redeeming moments it's like this episode was everything that last week's episode was not (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah no but like yeah no there was nothing for me to rage quit on in this show i was like Dude, not I at forgot, all i forgot how good the show was and sometimes i just pick these episodes i'm like eh, that sounds like it could go either way dude this one nailed it out of the park i was gonna say this one stayed very consistent to the to the story of the episode because you know how a lot of them will kind of just trail off into nonsense? Right. Or there'll be something that goes on that has nothing to do with anything? That... Yeah. This, like, one, this, this one stayed on point. Yeah, like everything we saw in that mask episode last week. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, no, like, this episode had a consistent story. Everything had the right amount of time to breathe. And, you know, they didn't realize, like, you know, three minutes from the end, they're like, Oh, we're running out of script pages here. Maybe we should wrap this up. Right. No, the story kind of took a few twists and turns. 
and got to a, just a natural ending. The pacing was just spot on. And on top of that, you get this villain that they really can't do anything to because he's so freaking good at everything. Right. And he turns himself around. He's like, you know what? I'm going to be good now. Yeah. And that'll be interesting to see if like he shows up later in the series. Yeah, that's true. Like, totally. Like, kind of like as the episode was ending, you're like, oh, man, you get some good kind of anti-hero vibe off of him. Right? And that just makes you like, it honestly just makes you want to watch more to see what he does next. Right. And just like, and the voice acting was phenomenal. Yeah, it was pretty good. Dude, Neil Ross nailed it. So he had two very distinct voices. Like he had one that carried the character while he was in the suit. And, you know, and like you could tell like the voice was like kind of adding in the mask effect. Yeah, that was true. And then like the voice he used for, you know, Peter just as a normal person. That's what made me realize it was Neil Ross. I'm like, okay, he sounds like shipwreck. <laughs> he's definitely had quite a few um eh, quite a few different shows he's been on right which is weird because like i know scott mcneil came around like late 80s but really took off in the 90s but like that the voice of the perceptor i was like it really had me thinking it was scott mcneil oh yeah I mean, yeah, a, it, it did sound like it. There was a lot of his voice qualities there. I'm like, oh, oh, is this, oh, do we get a chance to, oh, no, it's not. Oh, it's Neil Ross. <laughs> okay, all right. I can I can live with Shipwreck being his voice. I was like, yeah, okay, still cool. But no, Neil Ross's vocal range is so amazing. Oh, I mean, yeah. Just look at G.I. Joe alone. Like, he's, he's Shipwreck. He's also Dusty. Oh, yeah, that's right. And those are completely different voices. Yeah, dude's got talent, man. Dude. And to carry, like, two very distinct voices in one character? Dude. Absolutely. Got to appreciate the talent on that, man. Yeah, I know. But he definitely earned his keep in these shows, man like there are some voice actors you can tell they have like one voice and can do a little bit of range from it but then there are guys that can just go all over the place like oh yeah neil ross is just one of those guys it's like a little i think a little underappreciated in you know in the current decade but dude absolute amazing talent yeah, and you really have to appreciate talent like that because you don't get that every day. Like, especially this day and age, like, you you have, like, certain people like um, like Seth MacFarlane, for example, that can do that. But there are a lot of your actors that just do one voice, and you can tell it's that actor. Like, they want you to know it's that actor. You know what's the weird part, though? Honestly, I think Seth MacFarlane, as a voice actor kind of underrated yeah because 
you realize like the all the distinct characters he plays on Family Guy, like from Peter to Quagmire to Brian. Oh, and Stewie. Yeah, he, he does Cleveland too, right? I don't believe. No, I think that's like Mike Judd. Judge? Ah, yeah. Okay, probably. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a different actor entirely. Well, he definitely has some range. Oh, and he's Stan. Isn't he oh, Stan yeah. on American Dad? Yep, he's Stan. And Roger? <laughs> and Roger. No, he no, he doesn't play Steve. Oh, that's uh Scott Grimes. Oh. Which, oh damn. You know, that's Scott Grimes. Cause there are times where when I watch the Orville, I'm like, Oh, that's right, the guy that plays Gordon is Scott. <laughs> but no, like absolutely Seth MacFarlane as a voice actor. Fairly underrated. Yeah, I agree. Oh man, but dude. I enjoyed this episode so much, man. Uh, yeah, this was definitely a fun one. And not for nothing, Perceptor is my favorite character out of like on this episode. Dude, like as a one-shot villain, this guy's ranks I think this guy ranks pretty high. Oh yeah. Without and, question. Like his costume design was like amazing. Like honestly, like you could have plucked this guy out of this show and put him in like at least half a dozen other 80s cartoons and honestly he probably would have fit in yeah i agree like i think you could have put this guy in a gi joe episode he definitely had that gi joe-esque like character design he had a very like kind of viper like look yeah maybe when you got to the late 80s early 90s when they started making out more specialty vipers this guy could have been a specialty viper true all right, man, but I think that's going to do it for this week's episode, man. And once again, thank you for listening to the Totally Radical Cartoon Podcast. And don't forget, we are a production of Geek World Order. Check us out at geekworldorder.com for all the latest Greek, uh, latest and greatest geeky media and content coming your way. Of course, look up Geek World Order and Totally Radical Cartoon Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, both at Geek World Order. And of course, don't forget to... Subscribe to us on your podcast provider of choice. We're on all of them. We are on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio. Basically, wherever you want to get your podcast, subscribe. Give us the five-star rating. Give us the text review. All that good stuff. Because we want this podcast to grow. Share the podcast with your friends. Let everyone know that this show exists. Because a lot of us, we're children of the 80s. We love these cartoons. And we just want to help you relive that experience. Nostalgia Uh, like a mofo. Exactly. And uh, we will see you next time. See you soon.